China is back from its Golden Week holiday, and its problems continue to escalate, going the wrong way. Now, later this week, we'll get data on the PPI, CPI, total social financing, RMB loans, exports, imports, all of that good stuff. And many people are expecting the numbers to be somewhat better, given the amount of support that Beijing has offered to pretty much everything, economy, finance, currency, ever since the middle part of this year. However, there are continued warning signs that it is not going well at all, including the latest measure that has been whispered from Chinese authorities. Before getting to that, though, let's back up and set the stage first. Let's remember how we got here. Reopening was supposed to be the big thing. That was supposed to be what corrected the course for the Chinese economy and set not just China, but the rest of the world on a trend toward recovery in 2023. That didn't work out, even though many of the major authorities and major figures over in China, they had cautioned, hey, let's give this reopening stuff a chance. And very quickly, it became clear that that was the mistake, that reopening wasn't making much or any difference in China's economy at all. And by around April and May, in the aftermath of that U.S. banking, global banking crisis, not just U.S., global banking crisis, China's economy really started to stumble badly. And it was reflected in the currency price. CNY started to drop precipitously. But around mid-year, really late June, suddenly authorities said, we're going to start doing something. We're going to ditch this patient stuff. We're actually going to get rid of the guy who, who was more than anyone else in the Chinese government had been cautioning and, and counseling for patients. Got rid of Yi Gang at the PBOC. And we re, they reshuffled the entire policy response deck at that point. They started intervening in currency. And then in July, authorities released a <laughs> pretty laughable 31-point plan about how they were going to support especially the private economy in China. In fact, the 31 points referred repeatedly to how they were going to support the private economy in China. Just to give you an example, um, here's point number five from the 31-point plan. They're going to improve the market-based financing risk-sharing mechanism involving banks, insurance guarantees, securities firms, and other parties. Improve the credit rating and evaluation system for small, medium, and micro-enterprises and individual industrial and commercial households. Strengthen the collection of enterprise-related credit information and promote service models such as Jinyede. Support qualified private, small, medium, and micro enterprises and financing in the bond market. Encourage qualified private enterprises to issue scientific and technological innovation corporate bonds. And promote the special support plan for private enterprise bond financing to expand coverage and enhance credit enhancement. And it went on with all of these platitudes about supporting private enterprise. Very short on specifics. But even so, the immediate reaction in markets was tremendously positive. The authorities were finally getting it. They were intervening in the currency, and here they were with 30 po 31 points in a plan to get China's economy back on track. Hong Kong and mainland China stock markets cheered the Politburo's policy pledges, outperforming broader, broader Asia-Pacific benchmarks. The Hang Seng Index jumped more than 3%. While the CSI 300 index of largest A-share listings climbed more than 2%. The Chinese property sector saw some of the strongest percentage gains in Hong Kong, with developer Country Garden rebounding more than 14% from a nine-month low. 
Long four groups surged by 21% from a seven month low and on and on and on. The initial knee-jerk reaction was quite positive because it was thought, here comes the cavalry. Beijing is going to rescue everything from a currency to economy. And it lasted maybe a day before everything rolled over. And it put us on the put China and the rest of the world on a course to where we are now. And so we'll get to what's been going on ever since mid-July, some of which we know, as well as the updates to what just happened recently this week in October. But I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. We are having a webinar next Friday. That's October 20th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I think it's still Eastern Daylight Time. But either way, Eastern Time Zone, I think it's UTC minus four. For those of you outside the U.S. or outside the Eastern Time Zone, webinar Friday. It's free. Register by clicking the link in the description of this video. Hope to see you there. We got lots to go over, lots of good deep fundamentals to, to really get into, to really talk about everything that relates to China as well as the monetary system, Eurodollar, all the Eurodollar University stuff you've come to expect. That's in a free webinar next Friday, October 20th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So while the stock markets in Hong Kong and China were quite enthusiastic about this 31-point plan, they were hoping it represented a sea change in attitudes. Before then, Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping thought, especially since 2020, was mostly, we got to let this sucker clear out. We got to let the real estate bubble go. We got to let the economy just go where it's going where to end up. We have to take a hands-off approach because the financial imbalances in particular threaten the entire economic, financial, and political structure. So Beijing was very reluctant to do much more than the absolute minimum. And as the economy continued to get worse, it was never lockdowns. As the economy continued to get worse because the global economy wasn't really helping either, it was hoped that authorities would come to their senses at some point, they would go back into the Keynesian playbook and really start doling out stimulus like they had in the old days of 2009 or maybe 2012, and to an extent, the last hurrah in 2016. That's been the back burner hope for a lot of people. And the thought was this 31 point plan, as ridiculous as it was, as bland and boilerplate as most of the, the points themselves were, is non, no specifics in much in, in really any of it, that eventually authorities would come to their senses and they would fill in and they would really start acting on these promises and pledges to support. That's what the big deal was. And it didn't last, as I said, more than a day or two, because this all came out on July 20th, which was a Friday. So we had the Monday, July 24th. There was a little bit of a a little bit of a of spillover into Tuesday, July 25th. But that, if you look at the chart for CNY, for example, that's the high spot. That's where CNY got to its, its farthest, its strongest point, and it hasn't been anywhere close to it since. So that 31-point plan bought a day in the stock market, about a day or two in the currency, and it's been all downhill ever since then. And the reason is because it really didn't represent much of a change at all. There wasn't much in the 31-point plan. And there's also the growing sense that even if there were specifics in the 31-point plan, 
what difference, what meaningful difference would it actually make? Because China's problems are pretty big. They are structural. They are from the outside. I mean, they keep talking about a torturous recovery, some of which, or a lot of which comes from this, this messed up, I forget the word they use in Chinese, this messed up external environment. The Chinese are getting it from all sides. The global economy isn't helping in their internal situation, which they've been struggling, for, struggling with for really since the 2008 breakdown, that isn't helping either. So the Chinese have no, I mean, no specific method to get themselves out of it. They don't want to go back into the Keynesian playbook because that means reigniting the major problem they're most afraid of, which is the real estate property sector. They do not want to end up like Japan circa 1990 because in China, that would be absolutely fatal to the Chinese Communist Party. And everything that the Chinese Communist Party does is to preserve the Chinese Communist Party. So they are not going to go back and redo 2009 again, where they just throw everything against the wall and hope to buy enough time so that the global economy heals and comes back to rescue the Chinese. And that, that reality, that harsh reality, is reflected in everything from commodity prices to the currency value itself. So CNY was about 7.13 and a half on July 25th in the immediate aftermath of this 30-point plan of comedy. And it didn't immediately drop off, but in early August, as we saw all of these monetary warning signs and things like swap spreads and even U.S. regional banks, uh, not regional banks, but U.S. large banks raising their cash cushion, that's when CNY really began to drop, along with oil prices rising, pressuring the global euro dollar system. That have continued right up until September through various uh, potential, various means and countermeasures by the authorities. They've been raising CFETs, the um, midpoint central parity. They've been trying to talk this, the currency higher. They're trying to stabilize it that way. Commercial banks have been intervening, of course. We've talked about the FX RRR was cut to try to unlock more resources that could be shoveled into this euro dollar hole to stabilize the currency. And every time it looks like there's a short run success, it just drops all over again. So no matter what authorities throw at the situation, CNY continues to want to go down and sink lower and lower. And that's true over the recent weeks too. To end September, CNY had been on a little bit of another short run winning streak that was coincident to the peak in oil prices and then backing off a little bit. So again, I think we see a relationship with oil really pressuring monetary fundamentals and financial fundamentals around the world. So the currency had a little bit of a rebound heading into the golden week in October. And then to start this week, the reopening uh, didn't go all that well either. And so Chinese commercial banks, you can see clearly on the intraday chart, they came in and intervened, trying to push CNY higher. And then October 10th, yesterday, authorities came out with another rumor of more support for the economy. Here's Bloomberg, because they were the ones to originally report these whispers. And this is supposed to be a bigger one. This is what Bloomberg said just yesterday. China is considering raising its budget deficits for 2023 as the government prepares to unleash a new round of stimulus to help the economy meet the official growth target, according to people familiar with the matter. Policymakers are weighing the issuance of at least 1 trillion yuan, or the equivalent of 137 billion, doesn't sound all that much, 
of additional sovereign debt for spending on infrastructure such as water conservation conservancy projects such as water conservancy projects said the people asking not to be identified discussing a private matter that could raise this year's budget deficit to well above the three percent cap set in march one of the people said I don't know about you, but water conservancy projects doesn't sound like a massive government stimulus plan. Instead, what people have focused on is this idea that the Chinese government, the central government, because beforehand they've been letting local and municipal governments bear the brunt of all of this quote-unquote stimulus activity. But here we have the central government supposedly willing to pitch in and do its part to try to rescue China's economy. And the big thing here is not the, the water conservancy projects. It's really that they're willing to go above the 3% budget deficit target, which is a big no-no over there in Beijing. So again, like July in the 31-point plan, the hope here is that by not the water conservancy project or whatever the government's going to do, but by going above the 3% deficit, that must be the, that is the signal here. That's the bat signal for stimulus, that finally China is willing to go another step forward to finally rescue the economy that is in bad shape and needs to be rescued. And so you can see what's happening here. Every time things get worse and it, it continues to look worse, China steps in, gets everybody excited about something where the, the, the implication is they're going to go beyond what they had done before. And this is going to be the big one. This is the one where we come in and then nothing much happens. We ratchet down, China ratchets down, the global economy takes the hit for it. And they come out again with another plan. This time we're going to go another step further. This is going to be the big one. Our attitudes are changing. We really need to support the economy. We're going to go above a 3% budget deficit target and nothing really comes of it because the problems are much more intractable than just throwing out stories in the media. They're almost like Western central bankers at this point. They just, they know that the Western media will lap this stuff up. But unlike in July, there hasn't really been much effect in the marketplace where it would really matter. Starting with China's currency. Ever since this plan was whispered into Bloomberg's terminals and Bloomberg's media enterprise, the currency has been softening again, not firming, even though the PBOC has fixed the central parity at right exactly, almost exactly the same amount for each of the three days so far this week. It was what, 717.89 on Monday, 717.81 Tuesday, and today 717.78. They're even moving the, the fix higher by a few pips here and there, but still they're moving the fix higher and the currency is going not, it's not sliding off a cliff, it's not crashing, but it's still moving weaker because the background behind the currency is the economic, financial, and monetary risks involved with redistributing dollars to China. And if you're a dollar provider, you're going to look at this situation and say, I'm not buying this spin. I'm not buying that this represents some big, massive shift in China's economic fortunes because... They're going to spend a little more money than they did before. Well, they've been spending a little more money all year, and it hasn't made much of an impact thus far. As Beijing continues to ratchet up its support for the economy, it's confirmation that there is growing problems in the economy that haven't been solved by the last big thing that China announced. And that seems to be the impression that the markets are getting because, let's face it, those in the market have seen this movie 
several times before. Not only China's currency, other commodities, key commodities that would be abs that are absolutely sensitive to changes in China's economic situation. Thinking about copper, for example. Dr. Copper just last week hit a multi, well, almost a multi-year low, a more than year low down around 355. It's since rebounded into the low 360s, but that's not really any different there. Copper is not sensing a huge building push that would, that would certainly come with a massive stimulus program, nor is it really feeling much from the rest of the global economy too, which China's a big contributor. Essentially, copper is saying, I don't see anything that's different. Another one, Shanghai Steel. Again, if there was a massive government push here and everybody believed there was a massive government push, a sea change in the government's uh, attitude towards saving the economy, we would see steel prices in Shanghai jump. And in fact, they had been rising. I wouldn't call it jumping. They had been rising throughout August, in particular September, on hopes that the Chinese were going to come out with their big rush. They were going to come out with their Keynesian textbook and go back into it and make big moves. And instead, steel prices in China are lower this week and pretty substantially lower back down to recent lows that are very close to multi-year lows because the market in China for Shanghai Steel, and we're talking about rebar here, construction material, they're sensing this doesn't represent anything different. And if this is their big idea to rescue the economy, maybe we're in a lot more trouble than people seem to have, seem to want to admit. Because there's this, this idea at the end of the day that China's doing okay. Maybe the second half of the year, all of this support stuff will end up supporting the economy and it won't turn out to be that bad. But then you look at Shanghai Steel and Copper and China's currency and you realize the more Beijing feels compelled to at least pretend like it's going to do something, to get people talking about big things, the more you know, they know, the situation is getting pretty grim. I did a video about the mechanics behind China's currency, what that really represents, and you can check it out at the link below me. As always, I thank you for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members, some of whom you see next to me. Until next time, take care.